This is Clayton Howe's Entertainment X. For this episode, I chat with Russell Miller. We talk about his journey through theater, into the Olympics, and so much more. So I hope you enjoy this episode, and keep on keeping on. We're back. I'm Clayton Howe, and today with me on the phone is Russell Miller. Russell, thank you for joining me today. Thanks for having me, Clay. This is going to be a great conversation. We're going to be talking about so much, everything from the UK to the USA, with a partnership with Freedom Theatricals and Meteor 17, the book Broadway Baby, the new documentary Stephen Schwartz, your time at the Olympics, and so much more. So I want to jump right into it to the beginning of time for Russell Miller. What were your entertainment dreams growing up? Wow. I mean, a theatre a theater family uh, kind of got everything moving for me, really. So I was, I was quite blessed in, in that respect. And I grew up on the east coast of, of England, sort of an hour and a half away from London. So it wasn't sort of a, a, a readily uh, accepted thing that you kind of gravitate towards theatre. It certainly wasn't influenced by the, the West End theatre at that point. But, my, you know, my parents were both involved. My grandparents were both involved. You know, my, my mother was a keen actor and, and, um, and director and producer and went on to become a, a director of the National Drama Festival, which is a big UK um, annual thing. And my father became a technical uh, manager in the local theatre. So I, I sort of grew up doing that. And I think from an early age, having been surrounded by that and, you know, grandparents and uncles playing instruments and seeing everybody doing what they do on the stage, it kind of just felt like a natural graduation to, to something that just felt so magical and, and 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 that sense of belonging and I think that really sort of at a very early age sort of set my sights on being involved somehow and, and I don't know so much that I knew what that was at, at that stage and uh, it was interesting to just get involved I think you know I, I did my first production I think I was about eight nine um, you know, jumping around on stage in, in, a, in an amateur production of Hello Dolly. It was, I remember it vividly now, scarily enough. Um, but it was, a, you know, a, a, a wonderful thing to, that, you know, gave me so much confidence, I think, at an early age. And, and then I went on and did all sorts of stuff, you know, at that, from that age going forward, you know, safe in, in this sort of zone of, you know, family being involved, but making wonderful friends and, and then, you know, as, as I went on from there, and I, I did a professional production a, a little a little later on that really sort of aligned me to, this is it, I'm going to, I want a career in the theatre. And, and that's really where it all sort of started. And what was that production? It was a, it was a, it was a really amazing production. And I, I'm a little bit biased, but it, it, I, didn't, <laughs> I didn't get paid a lot of money for it. I was part of the chorus of, of Oliver, um, yeah. which was at our local professional theatre in, in a town called Ipswich at the Wolsey Theatre, now now known as the New Wolsey Theatre. Uh, but it was a great, great experience. And, um, you know, to I think as well, you know, to have professional producers and musical directors and, and professional cast, known people, you know, at the time I remember, you know, the leads being recognisable faces, faces, sorry, from the television. And, and I was yeah. overwhelmed with excitement of being involved in this and performing with them. And and it just, it, as I say before, it, it just, I think, gave me so much confidence and so much inspiration to do things and to create um, and enjoy that experience in a, in a very supported environment that, that was really challenging as well, 
you know, not the best dancer in the world, have to admit. <laughs> Probably why I'm not doing that. <laughs> I'll leave that to you, Clay. I know, that, I know that's your bag. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. I don't do a whole lot of dancing. <laughs> well, it comes to the point. <laughs> it does. It does. It does. What was, this, what was this looking like for you in your childhood? Were you guys commuting to London frequently? Were you making the trip to the city often? Or was a lot of this theater happening in your town, near your town? I was mostly locally. I mean, okay. my dad, uh, my dad was born in the east end of London. So whenever we did go to London, it became a sort of a trip down memory lane in, in that respect. But uh, it wasn't something that we did a lot of. My dad was a sort of a local businessman at that point, um, so it was very much a uh, a local thing. But there was so much happening locally and theatrically, and, and at that time, you know, winding that clock back all of those years, Clay. Sure. Uh, yeah. <laughs> The theatres that were in that area were, were really performing well, and and the amount of you know top class productions and and uh, you know celebrities that were coming to the local theatres was so so far different to, to the landscape that that there is there now. I, I think in many respects, and so we didn't have to go far, and, and albeit we weren't getting the big the big tours in so much, but the standard was still very good, and it and it really gave me and, and, you know, my peers at that time, the opportunity to really just immerse ourselves in, in this sort of newfound love, really, and, and that's, that's never left. What were your parents teaching you about work ethic during this time? What were you witnessing? Well, my dad was the, the businessman, the local businessman. So my, my dad had come from, uh, my parents had both met as uh, nurses. They were uh, mental health care nurses and, and very quickly transitioned out of that and, and my dad had always been a keen cyclist road, road cycles and he he built his own business up and he did that for many years and so I would see him doing his thing in, in his shop and building these race bikes and I, I loved it and, I, and I, I, he worked so hard and you know I know when the business was first started he had many other things that he was doing in, in terms of trying to sort of make ends meet and make that happen so it was not a, a sort of an easy journey for for him in the early part and, and for the family really so we didn't really get many holidays together uh so it became something that i think from an early age i really understood that there was the value of having to work and the appreciation of of when you had worked and then you could afford something that that it was that much more valuable so i i think that was a really big lesson really early and my parents were very good I think, uh, uh, kind of giving me that discipline of, you know, get out there and work and earn your money and, you know, you, then you'll deserve it. And I sort of took that ethic on at an early age and, and you know, worked in my dad's shop for a while and uh, did that on the weekends. And then, you know, I would work at the school and, and do some I think, do cleaning and things at the school. And then the biggie was working at the theatre part time. And I volunteered at the theatre for, I think, two years before I was of an age that I could actually get paid. Yeah. Uh, and I would work there as many hours as I could because I, I, I just didn't want to be anywhere else. I loved it. You know, the people were amazing. You know, the atmosphere was fantastic. And I would do anything, anything and everything. I would help with the get-ins. I would sweep the stage. I'd do the follow spots. And then, you know, it got to the end of the year and the crew and the team would, would sort of have a whip around and they'd put money in the pot to say thanks for working this year without getting paid. And, and on all of, all of those things between the value that my parents were giving me firsthand and then working, you know, with these other people that were outside of my family unit, 
who were so inspirational as well and really encouraged me and my early general manager and the people that sort of were running the theatre at that time were, were really supportive and, and really, you know, gave me so much value and confidence in terms of my ability to learn and to grow within the theatre business. Was this before or after Oliver? This was after. So I think I, okay. I, I went into Oliver around sort of 12 and I started sort of doing work at about sure. 14 Oh, so you knew, um, yeah, you knew by 12 that this was what you were going to be. That's great. I, absolutely, yeah. I mean, I, I, didn't, as I, said, I didn't really quite know what that was going to be. And I, I think like many kids, I had these dreams of being sort of, you know, this famous actor and all of that. But I, I quickly grew out of that. <laughs> <laughs> what, was, what, was the, what was the journey for you to join? And forgive me if I'm skipping a lot, um, but please connect no, the sure. dots with the West End and becoming a business director there. Was that, you know, did you immediately start working in London or you had studied at university prior, you know? No, so it was interesting, actually. The, 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 the company that, or the theatre that I was working at in my local town uh, had offered me uh, a position there and I was ready to go off to university and I was really torn because obviously theatre was my home but university was going to be my step to career. Of course. And this balance of you know where do you go and what do you do and I don't think that conversation has changed with anybody over the years either I'm sure there's all all that you know those conversations to be had if if the options are there um and I took a lot of time and discussed my parents the options and in the end um the the theatre actually came back and said look we know you want to go to university but actually we'd love you to take on this role so they offered me a a full-time role as the assistant manager uh, and offered to put me through uh, university or college equivalent uh, sure. in the UK to be able to do that whilst working. So it, it kind of meant a lot more work, as it were, but that was something that they supported me with. And then it was, for me, it was a no-brainer. I could I could get, I could still continue to learn, but I could also do, you know, the, the employment aspect yeah. at, a, at a position and in a, in a role that was significantly, you know, more than I could have ever expected at that time. I'm just curious, what was your major? At university, what did you I, study? I studied marketing. It, okay. it, it was it was this, it was it was a local college, so it wasn't quite at a, at a university type level. And, it, and because I was studying whilst working, it was it was much more of a uh, or a sort of a less joined up um, course, as it were. So I I studied marketing, and it was it wasn't I wanted to do arts marketing, but they didn't do an arts marketing course, so it was a lot broader at that point. And also at that point, it, it obviously didn't deal with the types of marketing that there is now, you know, with, with everything online being so prevalent. So it, it was great and I did learn a lot, but principally the part was really just, I think that part was just ticking a box for me because on, you know, by day and by night, you know, when the theatre was open, yeah, that was really where I was learning the most and, and I had so much investment in me as a person and giving me the opportunity to learn and to make mistakes and to, you know, to get involved in different things that, you know, in my early twenties, which was incredible really. And I, I remain ever thankful to, to all those that gave me that opportunity. Yeah. And that's such a, the general manager position is so, could be so vague <laughs> to so many, yet you do so much in regards to theater uh, when you're holding that position. And I, I don't want to, we don't have to get into the nitty gritty of what it is. I'm curious, are there any standout methodologies or lessons you learned or just good practices 
um, being a general manager, maybe with the Ambassador Theatre Group or independent of them? Absolutely. I mean, I think the biggest thing, and I, I do, and I've learned so much from different people that I've worked with, and I think that was the, the biggest, the biggest thing for me was really just understanding different styles of, of people's way of leading. And I think you can quickly understand the principles of general management, but actually to become a good general manager was much more about taking the things that I liked from that person that I'd worked with or that person who you know, was above me there or doing that other job or that person working for me on the things I did like and the things I didn't like and trying to craft what was the right approach for me and how did that fit me perfectly so that I could try and be the best general manager that I could be, which principally for me always ever only came down to the sort of leadership qualities of how to, how to lead rather than manage and, and to listen to people and to, to get involved and to try and make a difference. And I think that's, the principal driver for me going up the ladder of, you know, from that sort of learning as, as a started off as a duty manager, assistant manager, deputy general to, you know, director of international operations was just about the people and really wanting to be leading rather than following and, and, and making a difference to, to things that you see are wrong and knowing that you can help people and make people work more efficiently uh, and make their jobs easier and their lives easier and less stressful because we do deal with a lot of stress by, you know, by the day. Oh, yeah. So that was a big that was a big driver, absolutely. And 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 it always I think everything's underpinned by the people. You you get the right people on board and and you can create wonderful things. So the more I learned and the more I read up on those sorts of things, the more I really thrived with that and and got into that and and you know it, it sort of. Yeah. yeah. Was the director of international operations something you had always wanted or was it something that kind of, and I don't mean as in you didn't want it, <laughs> but is it something that kind of just came <laughs> by default of the hard work and dedication to the company? I think, I think the, the level that I got to in that role before I became a producer was definitely what I was aspiring towards because it, it, it wasn't about I, I need to run the company. I think it's important to have a vision and, and an anchor to where you want to be yeah. to help you get there. And I think for me, I, I, you know, I had been brought up operating. Uh, everything I'd done was about understanding how that works and problem solving that and fixing that. And that is operations, you know, top to bottom. Sure. So for me, absolutely, that was my anchor. And I didn't, I've never really been fussed about titles and all of that good stuff. I just love getting the work done. And if the work is good, it doesn't feel like a job. So for me, that's, I've been blessed with that. It really has never really felt like work at certain times, maybe. <laughs> yeah. but, but for the most part, it really hasn't. And so I think in answer to your question, definitely that was, that was an anchor, regardless of the title, the, the, the level of work and, and the ability to, to sort of thrive and, and do good things at that level and make a difference was, was the optimum, I think, for me, yes. And that is, is that what brought you to New York? Um in the interim for a short period of time, was that what your first travels to the U.S. from the U.K.? Or had you been doing a lot of traveling prior to that? Because at present, our conversation, no. you're in New York and I'm in Florida. So I just want to make the connection. That's it. Yeah, so I hadn't really done much before that. And, and although I'd had time on the Olympics and, and there was opportunity to go and do other things, there was an Olympic starting out in Azerbaijan that I was... I was sort of close to and, and lots of other options, but I'd never really been out of the UK. So this was a big 
jump for me and, and it felt like a natural, you know, natural move in terms of having been running I mean, 10 West End theatres at the time yeah. before I moved out of theatre to the Olympics to come over and then manage Broadway venues and, and set up the business infrastructure here felt a very organic thing. And I think going through and looking at all of the touch points of where I've changed venues or, cha or stepped up on the ladder, it sort of happened not so much organically because it's through hard work and, and, and trying to, you know, set those goals to, to get there. And I think for me, it, I, you feel, you know when it's right to take those steps. I've always felt like this is right. This is the right time to do it. It's not too soon. It's not too late. It's yeah. the right time. And, and I think that's an important part of listening to your gut instinct as well as to whether or not this is the right thing. Is this going to challenge me enough? Um, is it the right timing? Is it my situation where I want to be thereafter? And all of this has felt really good. Um, and it's opened up other things. And now finally in a, in a very different but similar role in the same industry, uh, really, really loving it and thriving and doing good work and creating again. So it, it's worked out marvelously. How have you gotten better at listening to your gut instincts? How have I gotten better? Yeah. Well, I think I think it's important to to just pay attention and just be self aware. And I, I, I've always tried to be really conscious of that and and you know give out the right vibes and and always be positive. And I'm. I, I've always worked with so much integrity, I believe. You know, I, I've always really based, you know, what I do and how I want to be treated. So I think getting better is about growth and it's about, you know, being diligent and working hard. And for me, I've just tried to do all of those things and, and it's still all work in progress, of course, as I think, it, as all these things are. But I've really enjoyed the journey and I, I, I love to learn and I, I love, you know, being around people and, and understanding how things work and working with people as I say to sort of make things better where I can if I can and that's been a, a big part of, of that improvement cycle I think that's that's a that's a really great point because <laughs> because um, and as far as listening to the gut because that generally always leads you in the right direction and that's just something that I'm always stressing on the show so thank you for touching on it I, um, no, I, I think it's important. Yeah, it is. It really is because I also think um, you know life gives you signs, so to speak, and when you listen to them, you're really never led astray. But, I think so, and and especially I, I I feel if you're a positive person, if you're optimistic about things, I, I feel that that things come back at you in the right way. I think if if you're a naysayer and it's you know everything's doom and gloom, it's like life must be harder. It, it, you know those vibes and, and what you put in and, and if you can I feel if you can look at it everything positively there's always a positive to be found you just got to look for it and if, if you're only looking for the negatives you know you, your glass is always only ever going to be half empty yeah yeah and you'll most definitely find them <laughs> the, yes, the, there. <laughs> the time with the Olympics how did that come about well it came about having left the theater group um, there was a big restructure in the theatre group, and um, I decided it just wasn't for me that the, the restructuring was was going to take me out of, of London, which I didn't really want to do. And, and at the time, it just wasn't for me. And so I decided just to, to sort of move in a different direction. And I didn't know what that direction was, Clay. This is, this is a really salient point for me in, in terms of a, a, the direction and the tide of, of my time and my career is because... 
I just coming out of that theater comfort zone, finally just sort of emerging thinking, okay, what now? <laughs> was quite terrifying, but yeah. also quite exhilarating at the same time. And, and, and it's hard to put that into words beyond that. But it was definitely something that was, it was great to finally sort of stop and, and breathe for a moment because, you know, the company I was working for, largest owner and operator in the world now, uh, certainly the biggest at the time, uh, was a very big machine. And, and, and you don't realize until you stop just that you need to breathe sometimes. And, and whilst I was enjoying the lack of breath, as it were, <laughs> uh, I, I, I enjoyed the, the benefit of, of, of filling my lungs again and <laughs> getting to a position to, to, and, and being fortunate enough to have a chance to breathe and think, what, what do I want to do next? And I've always been you know, keen to sort of keep connected with people and just trying to understand. And I've always, I'm you know, very keen on sports generally and certainly as, a, as an amateur athlete, you know, at school and, and the like, I was very interested in the Olympics at that point, but it had never crossed my mind that that might be something that might be an opportunity. And then suddenly, you know, a, a couple of people that I knew that were in the events and sports world had sort of flagged up that, that there was recruitment happening and I put my hat in the ring and, um, you know, a couple of months later, things were starting to lift off and uh, before you know it, we were sitting down with a team of 90-something functional heads departments, as it were, also all sort of sitting there saying, okay, what are we doing? <laughs> and, uh, you know, this was my first Olympics, obviously, and sure. very different to the theatre, but very similar in, in terms of the, you know, you're staging a, a, an event, essentially, the greatest show on earth as they promote it, and it really is something, and, and the scale and the magnitude of that is, is just extraordinary. And I, It was a wonderful, amazing experience to just be surrounded by so many professionals that they just piled in there at, at you know at the highest level and just everybody came in running yeah the, and supported each other and made it happen yeah the uh, before we get into into exactly what you did with the olympics because i'm very curious the what questions were you asking yourself or other people when you were looking seeking a new direction you know and and finding your new path after leaving the theater so to speak were there any particular questions? I mean, I think I, I think I was trying to understand what was going to engage me in the same way that I'd been engaged for all those years in the theatre. And that was probably the biggest question and the biggest challenge at the same time because, you know, I've, I've been so immersed in theatre, as, as we've just talked about, yeah. for so many years. To try and ring that bell again was a big deal. And, and, you know, things change. And, and, and at the time, I, I was quite sort of, again, optimistic about it and thinking, well, you know, maybe there'll be something else that opens up. I don't want to leave theatre world, but right now this isn't, I, I would like to change and see what else is out there. And I, I kind of felt a little bit like it was a, a challenge more than anything and, and to see what I could do at the level that I was at and, and work something out that also wasn't going to sort of remove me too far away from where I'd sort of set up home living in London and I'd been there for 16 odd years at that point so it, that was very much home to me so that was probably the biggest question is, is where's the love going to be how do I find it and uh, and where will it take me yeah yeah that's so how did how did those questions lead you to directly leading these <laughs> 90 departments with the London organizing committee for the Olympics 
And what exactly was that? I know it's a two-parter question. Just so everyone's listening, what exactly were you doing, and how did you get into that? So there were so many people brought in for different things, and we literally had, you know, a head of flags, a head of lost and found, everything from the most obscure to sport competition managers, head of broadcast. Right. And it's a, you know, it's a, it's a, it's essentially, it's a broadcast event. It goes out to 3 billion people. So it, there's a lot of pressure with that, but within each, within each venue, there is obviously an audience that attends to that. And that was what we were planning for as well as planning for test events that sort of lead up to that and enable us to, to test that everything is going to work, that the camera positions are right. You know that, that the audience experience is going to be right, and most importantly, right. that the athletes can perform in the same way that they will expect to perform when they're at that venue for the actual games. Right. So it was it was all in, in preparation thereof, really. Okay. And, and what was the second part of your question, Clay? How did you, how, No, that's all, that's fine. How did you come? How did you come about okay. joining them? What was the what was the connectivity there with um, you know friends that you knew and the conversations you were having with people to actually join it? Yeah, there, there were several. There were several friends that were sort of pointing it out to me, right? And uh, and it just so happened that I had, I had submitted an application, and then you know, through a work colleague, uh, as a referee, had had joined up the conversation there as something that was interesting and appropriate. And as the games ramp up, they there is such a need for people that are in mm-hmm. the industry, you know, in, be it entertainment, be it sport. In, in all of these different areas that there is sort of this sort of final sort of emerging of, of all of these people that really had got different experiences. Some were theater, some were sports, some were concert. Um, but they all kind of came in at the right level. And a lot of people actually took some steps down for this. It was a huge scale thing. And there were just so many people. So it was a really interesting to see how that was run as essentially an, a, a one-off event. It wasn't something that was going to be running and running like you would hope a theatre production would be. So it right. wasn't a, a very large event. But um, so yeah, we went through all the interview process, and uh, and I was a venue general manager, so I had my own Olympic venue, and it was all about then sort of meeting with the, the venue people and sure. working out, you know, that I was the right composite for for the type of people because there were some venues were historical, some venues were were, were new build. Uh, some venues were existing, converted to to to, to the sport that they were uh, organised for. So there was a lot of very different venues, and and the people, the general managers, the, the the operational teams, all had to really fit to shape up around each venue and each venue team. So there was a lot to it, a lot to it. Yeah, fascinating well, it was. Yeah, that it's just I don't know anything about the backside of the Olympics. So I'm curious, were there any standout moments for you? Any very, very insightful, interesting, poignant conversations, things you witnessed or stood out uh, regarding the Olympics? There were so many. I mean, we had <laughs> lots of inspirational, sure. uh, lots of inspirational speakers that came in as a part of our sort of training, uh, training routine. Uh, we got to see Clive Woodward. Uh, the, the ex-England rugby, Clive Woodward, which was, we got to see him quite a lot, and he is a wonderful and very strong uh, inspirational speaker, and he gave us a lot of inspiration. He was also involved in, in Team GB, 
so there was a lot of crossover there so we sort of understood a lot more about the athletes and and just meeting these athletes in itself was incredible because you realize and this was a big part of our our conversations with the team and bearing in mind a lot of our team members at venue were all volunteers so kind of managing volunteers can be quite tricky because they're not being paid and, and there's definitely a uh, they're, they're a different bunch to manage than, than people that are being paid for that reason, for the obvious reasons. Yeah. But, you know, being able to understand the journey of an athlete that becomes a performance athlete that is competing for a gold medal in, in what may be seconds of performance, but has been years of preparation really yeah. was a, was a, a groundbreaking moment for everybody. And, and you could almost feel everybody, put their arms around each other at that point when they understood that if they didn't do their job 110% that that might impact that athlete doing their 20 seconds of performance that they've been waiting, you know, not just their whole lives for, but training so hard all that time for as well. And it was a real moment of realization and bonding where everybody just came together. Thousands of staff just got it. And it was, seamless and it was inspirational and just a moment in time that I don't think ever can be repeated in the same way because it was just so special and I, I think because it was the London Games as well and for me that being the home surf thing made it sort of extra extra special I guess what was the what okay so how did that further dictate what you wanted to do in your life you know and I, I know this might bring us into Freedom Theatricals but what was the what was the the sense in your mind of this this idea of we community continuing these stories because entertainment really is or sorry sports really are entertainment that is complete entertainment and i'm i'm just curious how that dictated and directed your your path onward sure i, I mean i think it was it, it was certainly a very big job so it was and I don't mean that in terms of the, the position, I mean just in terms of the volume sure. of work. Yeah. So it, it became something that at the time, everybody was, you know, quite stressed and, and it was a lot, of, a lot of very, very, very long days. And then suddenly it all happens and then you realize this was why we did it. And, and um, uh, the, the chief exec of the games at the time, along with Sebastian Coe, who would come and speak to us regularly, would say, you know, we're going to do the best work of our lives. And that was... That was the thing that we all took with us along that journey to make sure that we did the best work of our lives and created the best games that, that there could be, sure. which I think we all did. So because of that inspiration, I, I think that there was definitely something there that made me realize that actually whilst I wasn't sure what was outside of the theater world, seeing and being involved in something so magnificent just really gave me more uh, enthusiasm to, to, to see what else was out there? And would this now mean that I would, up to then I, I hadn't been looking at going out of the UK, but would this now mean that I could go and do, uh, you know, the LA games or, or whoever is next, Paris or whoever. So suddenly it just became an, an, another big option. Um, and, and if theatre came back in, then great, I, I would embrace that and, and look at it on its merits. Right. But as it happened, theatre did come back in and that was the segue that took me in, in, into to New York. 
You've been listening to Entertainment X, the podcast. You can follow Entertainment X on Instagram at underscore Entertainment X underscore. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join Clay next week for another curiosity conversation on Entertainment X. Thank you for listening. 